Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, and welcome to Why Are You Like This, a podcast devoted to finding out who we are and why we do the things we do. I'm your host, Ryan Andrews, and today's guest is one of my favorite international delicacies. He's a social media mogul with a love for food and memes. Please welcome to the mic, the famed internet menace, Adam Musa. Hello. Wow, you really summed me up uh, perfectly there. Right then and there, just the essence of you. How are you? Uh, I'm all right. I am, you know, it's the start of a, a long weekend. A very long weekend for me, actually. So I'm thrilled to be here, but I'm mourning uh, the imminent end of well, not end of summer, but like you know, it's been a it's been a busy summer, and I don't really plan to start acting like it's the fall until um, I will like have bodily damage on my limbs mm-hmm. from the temperature outside. So uh, I will be you know continuing to dress in like tiny shorts as long as humanly possible. And that is your gay right, and I am here to say. You go. Do you. Thank you. Thank you for being an ally. Always and forever. I feel like I've been, I mean, I feel like I've been lied to that it's fall by Starbucks specifically and then by everybody who's into pumpkin spice because what pumpkins are ready in the middle of August? I mean, this whole American seasonality thing you guys have going on in this country is um, like the product of in my experience as, as, as a foreigner to this country is, is simply to sell. Well, obviously it's to sell you things. We love capitalism. Um, but it's constructed by people with children who are sending their kids back to school. That's not true for the childless among us. We can continue act, acting like it's whatever season for as long as we want. We don't have to change our behavior. Oh my God. I didn't realize that this was a rally, but now I feel very inspired. We can choose our own seasons. You heard it here first. Seasonality is a myth. It is a myth. We are very focused on um, the school calendar here in America, um, which always trips me up. Like, I truly do feel like September 1st, New Year, like every single time. I haven't been in school in seven years, and here I am trying to buy a new new backpack. 
I mean, this is like the weird, okay, this is, again, this is like something I would talk about at a bar that I've like a couple of drinks in before realizing, wow, this probably isn't very interesting for someone, but I'm going to tell it to you right now. Do it. Is that in, in Australia, we, our school year runs on the calendar year as well, because our season, like our summer is December, January, February. So this, like the summer holidays are also like the Christmas holidays, et cetera, um, so we'd have like the calendar calendar delineation of 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 seasons um versus like you guys being like okay it's it's the end of august we need to pivot hard now and we need to have this like artificial uh artificial social construct thing that that gets us out of summer mode and back into being like ready for school whereas for us in the southern hemisphere it's literally just like okay another year is starting now it's time for more school see that makes sense. But here we are. I guess this is a good segue. I was going to ask you. So what are the like top things you want to get out of the way about being Australian on this podcast? Um, well, first of all, I can I cannot um, I cannot really conceive of what my accent is like after spending five years in this country. Um, it does f- like fluctuate depending on who I'm around and who I'm talking to. And uh if I'm trying to like modulate my voice and, and, and do like stupid accents and stuff. Um, so when people are like, no, uh, like they're, they're doing like the whole, uh, the whole Australian imitation thing. Uh, I don't think I always sound like that only sometimes, but, uh, it's not the, the, what, what people online think Australian accents sound like, which is like Nicole Kidman. Yeah, exactly that. And it's Nicole Kidman, slipping out of her SoCal accent. Um, That's not always what I sound like. That's what I'd like to get out of the way. It's good to know. It's good to hear. I think it's um, like accents change and move and they're not like so, so fixed. Like both my parents grew up in Rhode Island and have had very, very thick Rhode Island accents, but they've lived in Oregon for more time now than when they lived in Rhode Island. So like to the Oregon friends are like your parents have a crazy accent and then I go see family members and I'm like no no these people over here they talk like crazy loons is is there an Oregon accent uh no I mean there's this weird thing like where I am from specifically I'm from Hillsborough and they've decided to have a southern accent I want to say in the last five years and like Hillsboro, Oregon is definitively not in the South and never was. So that's weird to me. Um, we got a couple people from Washington who say like Warsh or milk. Like milk. <laughs> <laughs> and that's like the, the trickle down Canadian influence, right? Yeah. I remember being in theater school and like being in our voice class and our, our voice teacher was like, we're going to work on everybody's accent because everybody must be from Chicago and must have like a crazy, like hard, hot dog kind of vibe. And I was like, hot. That, say, say that again. Hot, hot dog. Hot. It's very high A's. Okay. Uh, and I was like, but that's not me, Laura. And then I just had to like sit in the corner Wow, this is like your own, the beginnings of your own A Chorus Line song. Yes, yes it is. So Adam, when did your love of like food begin? Um, I have like, I mean, you know, I, I need, food is great. I need it to live. Um, fair, but fair. like most people, um, 
uh, I grew up in a family that is like extremely food centric. My, I ha- I'm, my background is Lebanese. Um, my, my grandparents came from Lebanon to Australia, I think in the fifties, I want to say, I really should know that, uh, definitively. <laughs> um, but the, the point is like food was always like this really big part of my family and like how we communicate and how we show love and relate and whatever. Um, and then generally uh like as food culture began to began to rise like on the internet and mature in the same way that i was maturing on the internet through like the mid 2000s um i was learning more and more that like food can be this marker of your identity which sounds really like formal and academic to say but it's like when you are a when i was like in my uh, mid to late teens and you know every every person in their mid to late teens is like looking for a thing to define them mm-hmm. um food became this like really authentic like not authentic but um sort of seamless way to just be like oh yeah i'm very i'm naturally very excited about this um and i want to talk about it and learn about it but that all said it wasn't actually until um i sort of uh moved to new york and uh, ended up kind of falling into a job in food that I really like truly decided, okay, this is just going to be my whole personality. Now, this is the last piece of my last piece of the puzzle. This is who I am forevermore. Um, I, I mean, it sounds very cynical to say it that way. Cause it's, it's as though I don't actually like love food and the food world with like my whole being, but, uh, yeah, it was it was very much a okay. Here's a moment of realization that this is what I love and this is what I do. Yeah, I mean, I think there's that that kind of vibe around anything where it's like something that you true truly do love, but it's also like how you pay your bills and how you do those things. Like there is an ebb and flow of I'm I monetize this, so like sometimes it's not my favorite thing in the whole world, but I also do enjoy it, and that's why I'm into it. Yeah fully agree on that i i mean we always like ate food together i i sorry family members if this offends you but i'm definitely the one that like cooks in the family um and that was mostly because of top chef i gotta say i top chef yeah i remember it was like my 15th or 16th birthday they had done four seasons of top chef so they released a cookbook and um, I just picked out of the cookbook I wanted to make a ceviche having no concept. That is an incredible thing to say. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go and, and this is in and this is in Oregon that you're yeah. cooking this right. Okay, so then you at least have like good access to fish. Yeah, I was like for my birthday, I wanna just have a dinner and basically like if you guys can buy me like the stuff I want to make this recipe, this ceviche that is in the Top Chef cookbook. And I did, and apparently it was great, but turns out at the time I was not a fan of ceviche. So I just kind of kept walking around being like, it's so bad. And like, everyone's eating it being like, this is great. This is what ceviche is. So you're eating this like super acidic <laughs> yeah. cured fish, just being like, this isn't what I, do you remember what was in it or, or, or like whose, or whose recipe it was? I know that there was like a process with breaking down squid. Oh, okay. Wow. Um, I'll have to look up who it was, but I do. I mean, that that first Top Chef cookbook, I still use. I love it. Um, but that was definitely my first step into, like, elevating my food from, like, a McCormick's flavor pack type vibe. 
I mean, that's that's super interesting to me because as someone like I own a lot of cookbooks, I love cookbooks. I I I get them through work. I just I like I walk down to a specialty cook cook yeah, cookbook shop on the Upper East Side yesterday afternoon um, to buy this one about breaking down fish. I don't break down fish. I don't even cook whole fish, but the photos in it are so beautiful and like the the techniques and the stuff in there is super super interesting. And it's about like nose to tail uh, butchery, but for fish. So. Um, it's it, when people are eager to pick up like a cookbook or something or um, something that, that, that that's more than just like a recipe off the internet. And I can get more into that after about <laughs> recipes on the internet. Um, but uh, when people do that and then they end up doing something like, like cooking a ceviche, that's like theoretically outside of their comfort zone, but also they feel um, that feeling of being like super drawn to a recipe on a page and being like, I really want to make this. I have no idea what it's going to taste like, but this photo is speaking to me or this title is speaking to me. Um, And even if you like, it's obviously you did that, you did the ceviche really well, but even if you monumentally fuck it up as I have done sometimes with like recipes, I felt really drawn to it pushes you into like another level of like cooking skill because you did something you haven't done before. It's, this sounds like super like inspired, like, uh, like faux inspirational or whatever. Um, but yeah, it's like making, making these dumbass mistakes in the kitchen, um, or just doing something you haven't done before is so extraordinarily useful. And when people ask me about, um, people like, Oh, Oh, you're a really good cook. Um, uh, humble brag. Um, <laughs> you, when people when people ask me things about that about that stuff, um, I'm like, just fucking do it. Just mm-hmm. just do not be scared to go. Don't go buy like a thousand. Ex- like don't go buy super expensive ingredients and then say and then pin all your hopes on this one on this one dish. Um, but you, I know it's it's a cliche to say you can't be afraid to make a mistake, but that's true. No, it's true, and it's it's just like any skill really, where it's like as you're trying these new things that are out of your comfort zone the more you do it the base level of what you cook for cooking it for this example like your base level of what you would cook on a regular day goes up just because you're learning new things precisely so that when you're like oh, i'm just gonna make something for dinner like your concept of that is different than if you hadn't started trying to bake or cook or do other things Exactly. It's exactly that. Just like that. Uh, <laughs> um, Adam, what was like? What was your media media consumption as a kid? What was your music? What were your What were your films? Um, hmm. I mean, the music is always like a funny a funny thing to talk about with with me and like when I talk about. So like I talked to my husband Andy about this. Um, oh yeah, you're gay. He, that. Did I not mention that? Is that a problem? I don't know. No, of course. It's not a problem. <laughs> do, do, I, do, I, do I need to like, is, are you okay with that? I am okay with that. Thank you so much. Everyone oh, to know that. That's a huge weight off my shoulders. Oh my God. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway. Um, so like I would have this, these conversations with my husband about, um, about like this, this exact question. And he had like, uh, very diverse tastes in music as a kid, and I did not. I kind of shunned popular music aside from like the like classic pop girly 
stuff. Um, but even then, I, I, I was not into pop girls the way that I am now. So if you, like, look back at me at, like, age 12, 13, 14, when I was like, I love Avril Lavigne, I love Evanescence, but that that consumption didn't go very far beyond... Um, beyond like the singles and then whatever was on the radio. And then it's, it's just so funny. Cause it's like, there's a whole lot of pop culture. I have or like musical pop culture. I have kind of missing that I was not consuming when I was like 15, 16, 17, because I had decided, you know what? I love musicals. I'm going to listen to musicals non fucking stop. I'm going to like, I'm going to torrent the, the Phantom of the Opera, um, film recording like uh original film cast not original film cast but like you know <laughs> emmy ross and, and patrick wilson and uh jared butler and uh everyone's like doing that and i'm gonna ha- i'm gonna go to this russian bootleg site and download bits and pieces from cats and it's gonna be from all these different recordings of cats um whenever this bootleg site is working um so yeah, it was it was a lot of musicals and Broadway stuff that I was listening to on my iPod um, in my like childhood and teenage years, which did not make me very popular. Um, <laughs> but it's it's so funny to think about now because it's like, oh, what I was drawn to and like what I continue to be drawn to is theatricality. And if I had just given like Panic at the Disco a chance. I would have realized, oh, this is like really theatrical shit. And it's not, and just because it's being like presented in a popular way and, you know, all the straight guys I went to school with loved it doesn't mean it wasn't for me. Mm -hmm. I think, no, I kind of did the same thing. It's also, I mean, we didn't have streaming music the way we do now. So that I think about all the time as well. Like, can you imagine how much your tastes would have changed if you could listen to anything at any time? If you didn't have to like jump through hoops, get on LimeWire, find a torrent, um, like I had to like ask my mother to use a credit card to like buy a dollar song off iTunes. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's like I too was in a very musical phase from like, I mean, I still do it as a career but like from 14 I had heard that about you (laughs) from like all of high school I like it was the first time that I met theater people and the first time that I really like was introduced to musical theater and was immediately hooked and so when I think about the times I was driving around in friends cars it it was that it was like the same maybe six cast recordings in everybody's car because we were all in theater and we all just wanted to drive around and sing good morning Baltimore to each other. Um, But yeah, could you imagine if we just like had options to just like sit in our house? I was in the closet in high school and I was like, what if I could just like listen to some queer pop without having to go with my mom to like buy a CD? I mean, that, that blows my mind and it's, it's also, but, but at the same time, it, it makes me wonder about the, um, the particular value that I assigned to certain things because that was what I had at the time. So when my friend burned me a CD, like uh, he burned me a copy of like Lippa's The Wild Party and I became obsessed with it. And would that have happened if I had just like dipped into a few of us, a few of the songs here and there, rather than being like, okay, this is the CD I have. This is like one of maybe three CDs I have with me in this particular instance. And so I'm going to cycle through this like, mix cd the wild party and like the wicked 
the Wicked Broadway uh, recording as well. The the like love and attachment you form with like the physical media or, or just like when the, there's like more of a scarcity around it um, really makes me curious about who I would have been if that had if that had happened now. And same with like Netflix. It's like Netflix is so like Netflix on its own, but also every other streaming service. If I had had all this shit at my fingertips, instead of having to go down to the video store and either rent like a new release DVD or VH, like VHS, if you're older. Um, I mean, I do recall, I do recall renting VHSs. That was a fun time. We didn't get a, a DVD player until like 2003, I think. So, which was a little, a little behind when other people were like watching DVDs. Um, remember when there was going to be uh, HG DVDs and Blu-ray? I, I do remember that because I worked in uh, EB Games at the time when uh, Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3 came out and it was still far from decided. But in order to play HD DVDs on your Xbox 360, you had to buy an external drive, which was just like insane. Yeah. Nobody was going to do that. Versus a PS3 that natively played Blu-rays, even though it was like, very expensive um and that's how blu-ray won whoa that's like my other thing that uh we uh that that i i don't even know if you know that i'm like extremely into video games like that's the other piece that's the other like core piece of me (laughs) i picked up on that from the mic that you have uh currently attached to your head I will say, even though this looks like a gamer headset, I do not use it to play games. I do not enjoy playing online games. Um, I don't enjoy being yelled at by by six-year-olds who want me to heal them when I'm playing Overwatch. I I have baby footsteps into video gaming. I it never like picked up for me. Like we always had a system around, and there was so there's something going on, but it wasn't really until like quarantine. And I was like, I guess I'll play Spider-Man on PS4. That was like the Which first... Which is a great choice. Like, and, that's, and a that's wonderful the... game. Had a blast. But I think that's the first full video game I've ever played. Uh, other than that, would you be playing like multiplayer video games with people? Was that something you enjoyed? I had a big Warcraft and Starcraft phase. Okay. Um, to the point where, uh, my best friend Trevor, when we were like 14 or 15, he found gay porn on my computer and Trevor was out, but I wasn't. Um, and he, he never said anything to me, but he did see that I had played Warcraft for a long time. And he sat me down and said that, like, I couldn't do that anymore. Uh, (laughs) that's a, that's a friend. That's a, that is a, a true, uh, truly important queer, queer friend. Uh, formative formative moments getting my own computer in my room changed my world (laughs) (laughs) i'm sorry i'm like remembering like so i mean the the thing is like right now um uh uh i mean i I assume you want to talk about being online generally at some point but um the the way this like like tweet about gay porn um that i that i put up yesterday has been like bouncing around places and it's just it's it's really weird when you tweet something vague about gay porn and then a lot of other people connect like come in and come in to like reply to the tweet and are also like referring to their own porn consumption habits um and like sort of putting it on the table and when you have so the the basis of this was this image um of 
of uh, two guys in college from from like the AFP that just inexplicably looked a lot like a screenshot from from gay porn. And um, but the funny thing is, it's sort of acting as a Rorschach test because all these people are like, oh, that's X site, that's that's Z site. People, uh, everyone's seeing something different in this thing in and they're basically outing themselves with like their consumption which is such a funny thing because it's like you would never normally people most people would not normally uh uh like openly talk about these things but in the context of a joke um when you can reference something that you have knowledge about but um that knowledge is like secret you you don't normally tell people oh i frequent this site and i know all about its scenes and its actors and i know the basic format of how things go on there but somehow you're like outing yourself <laughs> to a stranger by being like oh yes this looks exactly like uh, a men.com scene yeah it's not like you sit down you're like hi my name is ryan i'm from portland oregon and i'm like super into bound gods like it's not Ex- exactly that not the, the lead up but you but you did you did just like name drop something unprompted and that's important and that is important so yeah, let's talk about this a little bit because I feel like this has happened to you quite a few times where something that you will put on the internet takes on its own life after you as it gets picked up by other people. And like what is, as a, as a seasoned pro of going viral, um, how, how does that affect you and how does that like affect your day to day? Because I know that we have mutual friends who like people have seen shit that they post and they're like, they try to get me fired. And like, that seems crazy to me. I mean, I am, uh, first and foremost, I'm very fortunate to be, I mean, my, my, my job is social media and in the company that I am in, um, we are like, our, our like, it's like professional social media policy is not as super restrictive as a lot of other journalists at a lot of other places. And, um, the, the, like the thing about it is about being online and about making dumb jokes and stuff is I am never saying anything that's like actually uh, like offensive. I'm not saying like these repugnant, vile things that a lot of, um, let's say like uh, uh, right-wing grifters um, who are also super online and actually like are in tangential circles to me because of like the companies that we work for. So like the, the super hard right people at the New York times, for example, um, I'm not saying awful stuff like that. And that's, it's weird to, to like point that out and draw attention to that, but it's, it bears pointing out because there are so many people who do say repugnant things, um, who then, you know, suffer IRL consequences for it. And they're like, oh, this is cancel culture. It's like cancel culture is a terrible term. And I, I hate even, it's not even real. bringing it it's up because it's like, real. it's it's the term itself doesn't make any sense. No. Um, but yeah, so what I'm saying is I'm very fortunate. Um, probably the only time I have done something that was like, that that mobilized a few people against me um, that I ended up deleting just because I had I had always planned to delete it because I knew it was incendiary was a joke <laughs> a joke about Rush Limbaugh getting um, uh, whatever kind of cancer that he got um, and it's like if you take if you are making a joke about a person who has dedicated their life to making like poor people miserable um, that's what's wrong with that there's nothing wrong with, yeah there's nothing wrong with doing it. anyway um 
sorry, I'm like going going far away from the question now. Um, so the, the but you asked about like when 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 you make something or like post something online and it basically develops a life of its own, right? Yeah. That is something that's really fascinating to me, like again, professionally, but also personally. I just find like as a person who is online all the time, like when I say online, I'm like, I'm mostly talking about Twitter. Twitter as this like fertile breeding ground for a lot of culture for better or for worse. Um, and so this, this to take this like most recent example about something that was about... Um, uh, Gay porn. Something that started out about people who, about gay people looking at something and saying, oh, this looks like porn, that has steadily grown outwards um, as it gets more and more eyeballs on it. And increasingly, more and more of those eyeballs are not from not from people who consume gay porn, is, is the best way I should put it. So, yeah. Um, and those people are coming in to my tweet or to other people's tweets on the same subject and they're saying things like um okay so to walk it back just one second um this image i'm referring to of these two guys in their like college dorm who are like actual students at liberty university um what's funny about it is it has all these like visual hallmarks that make it look exactly like like a porn scene um but you have all these people coming in as it grows outwards and those people aren't necessarily familiar with those visual hallmarks. And so they are like, I don't see why this is funny. Can you point it? Can, can someone explain the joke to me? Um, and that's like Twitter in a nutshell. It's yeah. people like the core, one of the core principles of being on Twitter is understanding that not every, most things are not made for you. You are not the target audience for most things. So when someone tweets something idiotic to their friends because that's what we're online for to hang out well most of us are online to hang out with our friends um and you know you might make an, a stupid joke that's a reference to a meme or something and that bounces around your friends and they find it funny and they uh you know do they retweet it do they uh favor it's showing up in other people's feeds suddenly it's like stripped of context um and this is probably what you've seen me tweeting about previously it's it's called context collapse um i i forget who coined that term um there is a really great uh newsletter by charlie warzel about about context collapse and there's i think he's written about it a few times because there are just continual examples of um really innocuous stuff that happens on twitter and that by nature of the platform just gets blown out of proportion and um you suddenly get strangers insulting you in the worst ways because you said uh that i don't know uh, uh that you don't like potatoes for mm. example i love potatoes i would never say that um but it's yeah it's the 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 like outsized way that people who don't know you and have like no familiarity with you are conditioned to feel like they can talk to you in any given way in any way they want um because of because of Twitter and because of how it like breaks down these communication barriers. It's just so fascinating to me because you're right. I mean, the the space Twitter it, to me is like the same 20 gay men that you and I both know that we see out at bars and we I'm that's what I'm thinking about when I put something out on Twitter, right? 
Yeah. And then every once in a while, something will go beyond that group. And then it's very like, I have no control over what is happening here. And it doesn't actually involve me anymore. However, people are flying in here as if like, they've known me for years and feel like they can talk to me any which way. Exactly. It's fascinating. And it's the more like more interesting in than than just like even like aggressive responses is the people who demand that you explain or expand on something that you have written um because uh I don't know, maybe because they're missing necessary context by not knowing you, but it's this expectation that a stranger is going to come and do all this work because you say so, because you saw this one tweet and you believe you are entitled to their time right. for them to, to say, okay, well, here's why this is, here's why this is funny. When instead you could just be like, oh, I'm not the target audience for this. I'm just going to keep scrolling. You'll find something else. Also, if it's on Twitter specifically, it's been put in a short form version for a reason. I didn't exactly. want to write a medium.com article about why these two boys look like they're about to do porn. Exactly that. And that is that. God, the internet is such a fascinating place. <laughs> and yet we choose to live our lives on it. I choose to stake my entire uh, existence yeah. on it. If the internet ever goes out, what am I, I'm going to be like a line cook. Which like, and I probably I probably won't be that good at it because I'm not as good as the people who do it, uh, who do it professionally. Um, yeah, more power to line cooks. More power to anybody who actually cooks in a professional setting. Every once in a while, when I will mention to my mom how much I enjoy cooking, or like I'll cook something at home, she's like, "Why don't you do this professionally?" And I'm like, "Because I cannot handle that pressure." <laughs> the the leisurely way, and sometimes not even leisurely. Sometimes I'm like in a rush, but I'm still moving slowly way in which I cook and to see the way people in professional kitchens function, especially like in my job, having gone into a lot of professional kitchens and, and, and like shot stuff in there. Um, it's just like, holy shit, you people are so disciplined and so tough. You are like, all you're doing is standing up nonstop. You're juggling a million things. You're not burning anything except maybe your forearms. It's, it's crazy. And I, I have like such tremendous respect for anyone who can do that, that level of physical work. And then on top of that, keep like being creative and keep, um, you know, developing new dishes and, and, and putting twists on stuff. Like some of the coolest stuff I've seen in restaurants is stuff that begins as just a way for um, like people in the back of house to like amuse themselves in terms of what they're cooking because they're cooking the same things over and over again. Um, and then, you know, they, they, they end up developing something that, that, that comes out um, that, that finally gets put on the menu and becomes really popular. Yeah. It's so it's nuts. None of them have forearm hair. Nobody. Sleeps. Yeah. That, <laughs> as a, as a person with like extremely hairy forearms, um, that's, you know, that I'm not cooking unless I can smell a little bit of singed hair mm. at some point. That's your, that's your signature. It just, the food, it doesn't, doesn't come through in the food. I will say that. <laughs> It's it's so hard to joke about these things and then be like, you should come over to my house for dinner. It'll like, be really who wants, tasty. Who wants me? To, who wants to? Who wants me to cook for them when I'm like I'm so hairy all the time? <laughs> well, you can cook for me anytime, my friend. Thank you so much. I'm so glad I have the vote of confidence. Of course. Well, Adam, you were a child obsessed with musical theater, loves food, 
Australian, moved here. Who knows where your accent is from? Working in social media. And I just have to ask you, why are you like this? Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, What the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Why am I like this? Because I love attention. Fierce. That's 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 the literal answer to everything you could possibly ask me. It's attention. <laughs> that was the fastest and most definitive answer I have had yet on the podcast. Well, I think if we were all more freely willing to admit this um, and, and less ashamed to be like, I love attention, that would be, <laughs> we would all be much better off. Oh, 100%. I mean, as an actor anytime I'm around performers who are like actually I'm like really an introvert and I just like really don't I don't really like being in front of people I'm like get out move like what that that can't be true it's this insane like shame shamefulness that I think is is putting people and I guess like it's it's different from culture to culture um but uh in Australia we have this um Actually, no, I'm not, I'm not going to try defining tall poppy syndrome because it's basically, basically you're taught not to, um, not to like seek the spotlight Mm -hmm. in Australia because people who need to be, uh, people who like rise up above other people are inherently bad is, is kind of the, the, the defining cultural thing. And you never, you want to, you never want to be seen to be, um, too self-interested. Okay. Um, and so to, to admit that you enjoy like entertaining people and that when they pay attention to you, uh, 
you you enjoy that that would be like a very bad thing to do and i think a lot of like it, that that's probably not exactly the same in america but there's probably a lot of similarities and so i would see that in in the actors you're referring to people who are like i cannot possibly um pursue these things that I feel that I really want. Like I, I want to be on stage. I want to perform. I want to entertain people without tempering that by saying like, oh, but you know, I just, I just don't like it so much. And, you know, trying to pull it back and trying to save face for what, who, who are you trying to impress or who, whose negative opinion of you are you trying to anticipate and, and like turn around? Yeah. I think there's just this thing about I think there's a fear of leading the pack in like kind of anything mm-hmm. because like if you're in the middle, like it's easier to hide. It's easier to get away with shit. It's easier, you know? So I, I get that idea. I just think it's boring. And like, there's a difference between being like pompous and conceited and being self-centered and not like hearing other people around you, but being the type of person who's like, I love to entertain. I love to, cook a meal and share it with people. I love to like hold a full conversation. Like those are just like normal things to uh, help keep you happy and healthy. And so like when people act as if they're actually hard for them in a performative way, I'm just like, stop. That's an extra step of nonsense. Yes. And it gets just, yeah, it just like gets it gets so strange and it it's mostly like in the like early 20s of being a musical theater actor in New York and just like so many friends being like I just want to do this but like I don't think that I'm right for it and I'm like but you moved to New York to do it. Mhm. No not a single person who's a doctor like they all have their own self-consciousness but it's not like you go up to a doctor and you're like Ooh, so crazy that you're trying to be a doctor. Good luck. That's probably oh, a bad that's, move. That's wild that like you you think you can, you know, you can remember all of those symptoms and illnesses and, <laughs> and what I don't know how I don't know how medicine works. Um, <laughs> but it's it, yeah, we don't we don't cut down people like that. And I, I feel like a lot of people act this way in anticipation of being cut down. And so it's like, you know, they're trying to like lessen the blow. Hmm. Um yeah, maybe they've all been really bullied and it's a defense mechanism, but it drives me fucking bonkers. I mean the 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 scars the, the scars of, of of all sorts of bullying continue to to you know bring us bring us all down, unfortunately. <laughs> it's very true. It's very true. It's not like and I know I just went on a really long rant. It's not like I'm a self-actualized human of uh epic proportions. It's just like I'm tired of diminishing things that make me happy in an in an effort to make other people comfortable i just don't think that that actually works i mean if if sitting at home for however many months like you know we had like the 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 in new york city we had the deep lockdown um then we sort of emerged in the summer but we were all wearing masks and stuff um and then you know we went right back to it in the winter um if those times like kind of taught me anything, it's just like, why am I sitting around in my house with nowhere to go being like, Oh, I really wish I had done this thing. Or I, uh, I was concerned about like, you know, are people going to think that I am okay. 
Okay, I'm gonna like shift. Do it. <laughs> I'm gonna like shift this real hard. Shift it into something that is something that like I think we both probably have a lot to say. Um, that's about body image. Let's do it. Um, so last June, yeah, no, no, this June, like the 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 previous the, the pride that just that just went, mm-hmm. um, was the first time I have in my like at age 30 have ever taken my shirt off at at a dance party um and it was like this weirdly monumental moment for me that because i have been going since i was 18 to various clubs that often had like really big dance floors that were you know in sydney primarily filled with like very muscular shirtless men often like most of the time white guys um I say this as like uh, as as like I am Caucasian, but I'm also a Le- like of Lebanese descent, so I'm extremely hairy. So these like extremely buff, often very like none of them had had shoulder hair. None of them had had like uh, like a fuzzy uh, a fuzzy lower back, and that stuff always really got me down. And even it's wild to think that even back then, when I was like, I have to think about this in kilograms and then, and then, then work it backwards. The, the point is like, I was, I was skinnier than I am now, but I did not feel very confident in any part of my body. Um, and so there were many times when I was at, at parties and things with friends who were like taking their shirts off. And I was like, Oh no, no, I won't do that. So, so, come forward like there's let's say 12 years of that in in various situations it's not like this was torturing me non-stop um but you know you you flash forward to the pandemic of being locked inside my house and um you know consuming all the different media we were looking at and um thinking about oh that's how it used to be in the before times whatever um and thinking jesus christ there's not like this there was nothing, there was never anything wrong with me. There was never anything, um, there, there was never any reason for me to feel as uh, hung up as I was. And even though it's like really simple to say that, um, it's like really sad to, to, to think back on all these times that you were like, that you like hamstrung yourself with your own like fucked up body image. And that's got a lot to do with like social stuff and everything. Um, uh, I'm losing my thread here. No, the, right. the, the point is like, it was, it was kind of a revelation um, that, that, uh, that came along and eventually like culminated in being like, Oh, here's a thing that I can do now. And that doesn't bother me. And, you know, I, I went to fire Island and I went to Provincetown and I like, you know, being out on the beach and stuff. And it's like, okay, I feel good enough about myself and I don't have to worry about what other people what other people look like around me, mm-hmm. um, which was like a really lovely and, you know, it's, it's, everything's a work in progress, but um, that was like kind of a, a pivotal moment. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. And like, it, it it's affirming and it's sad and it's kind of a little bit of everything. I mean, you're right. I have definitely had the same ups and downs about 
how I present myself in that way and with my physical body. And it's, it's always strange because, um, I am overtly very, very confident. Um, I, I know that I am exceptionally attractive and have been my whole life, but I have also grown up in this world that a, I'm gay, but also B I'm in an image focused career and so every everything that's uh, quote-unquote different about me has been told to me as a hindrance and not as a um, special gift I guess Mm -hmm. Um, so it's like you're short you're chubby you're you know like you have dark features like what is going on what is your ethnicity I don't know like all all of that has been told to me through a negative lens and it 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 uh, yeah i think i had kind of the same thing in the past year where i w- i was tired of getting home with a guy and taking my clothes off and having them be like oh wow you are hot which happened mm-hmm. multiple times because i'm like yes and you're here and i'm here so i don't know where the surprise is coming from that's like super super familiar and it's the the like um i i like i remember so many instances of especially in like uh my like early usage of like grinder or scruff um when it's like here's pictures of me that are putting me forward in my best light but this continual fear that like oh there's gonna come a moment like is there is 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 this is this man gonna be okay with me looking the way that i do Mm -hmm. um and it's (laughs) it's so depressing to say out loud like this um especially as like a, a thing of i guess just like getting older and sort of realizing that most people have some form of this going on in their minds um and even worse like the okay actually hang on let me let me like move this into let me let me tie this into twitter as well because this is this is something that that has always been on my mind since uh i won't i won't put them on blast by saying who it was but a friend of mine once tweeted something like um it was uh, something to the effect of of like uh not he was saying he wouldn't beat up on himself like on like in public being like, oh, you know, I don't look good here or I feel fat or whatever, um, because he knows there are people who find him attractive. Mm-hmm. And it's the same for everybody. Everybody, when when you are, like, publicly speaking, which is what Twitter is, um, there may, let's, let's say there's someone who you may, you may know, you may not know, who is reading what you're writing, who thinks that you're really hot. And they're seeing you say like, oh God, this person's out of my league. And it's like, who the fuck is out of your league? How could you possibly think that? But it's really weird to go up to someone and say those things and to affirm them in this way, even though that might mean a lot to them. Um, Yeah, so my point is like, you don't know how other people see you and that's why you should not have this like, crazy negative opinion and especially shouldn't be like performing that for people um 
uh, it's it, this ties back into something else I saw of like um, I have a, a fr- another friend who again I won't put on blast but who is like objectively quite skinny and lean and muscular um, who was like oh no my body's not ready for summer my body's not ready for summer um, I don't have the like I I cannot wear a speedo yet and I was like mate. I was on the beach last week wearing a Speedo. So it's really weird, even though you're not talking directly to me, you're talking about your own issues. It's really weird to hear you say this because the logical extension is that I should not be wearing a Speedo because I look, I am, my body is, is, is nothing like yours. And I would have to like fast and, and run 10 miles a day and whatever to even have a chance of looking like what you do. But you are through your own issues are inadvertently like saying to me that there's something wrong with me. Yeah. It's like this, it's a never ending loop of, because that, I mean, I wasn't there. I do not know this context, but when people are talking about their bodies in a way that they're like, I don't feel comfortable about this or that in my body. Like if you're just making general statements, like I am not ready for summer then you are creating a loop of negative thinking that like, I just don't think is helpful. If you are saying, if I'm looking at my own body and I would like to develop my chest a little bit more to be more shirtless in the summer, that is an attainable goal that I physically can work for. And I don't think that I would feel the need to talk to my friends about it because like I have identified what I would like to see different or On the flip side, like I have a beautiful fat ass and I'm gonna put it in a speedo. Like mm-hmm. it I think I just think people are too general about the way that they speak about their bodies. And I think hopefully somebody listening to the two of us talk about it now feels a little comforted because I do at least. It's I don't know, it's uh, again like I am not uh I, I'm not like an empowerment uh you're a girl boss i'm 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 not i'm not i'm certainly not a therapist like i this is all just sort of a crude wisdom that helps me on a day-to-day basis as in like my own journey of self-improvement and i just wish more people had these things in mind when they speak it's very it's Mm -hmm. very like hillary duff that's so gay it's like (laughs) think before you speak you you really shouldn't say that. It's 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 very girl wearing a skirt as a top to uh, fashion re- to like refer to your body in a negative in a negative light um, in like these absolutes as though you're saying it's 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 the same for everybody. Yeah. Um, and it's very sadly dismissive of your own attractiveness. Yeah. Well, I have to say I am happy that you're taking your shirt off at parties. So. Thank you. I'm, it's a pleasure to like to to dance shirtless with you at Tai Chi when when we've had the chance. It's a grand old time. Well, Adam, as we are winding down the podcast, I ask this of all of my guests: Do you have any questions for me? Has anyone ever asked you why you're like this all the time? Or is that is that too big a question? People ask me that all the time. Um, okay, then I won't ask you why you're like this. I will ask you why do you like to be like this? Oh. Um, what about it? What, what about being like this brings you joy? (laughs) That's good. That's a good one. I, when I am on, I feel electric and I feel 
like the king of the world. I I truly do. Like if and it could be anywhere. It could be me feeling like I want to be goofy during my group fitness class and I like catch the right group of people around me who find me entertaining. Like I I just think that that's special and that is something that like only I can do. Um and knowing those specific moments or qualities about myself and knowing when I can use them, I think is a wonderful gift that I've learned in my freshly 30 years of life. Um, so I, I don't know. I like that my, like my optimum self is built to make people laugh and built to make music and built to listen to people uh, in a way that I, I, I think is uh, helpful to society. That is that's like, I know what you're talking about and I know what it's like to get that high of being when, when you, when you stop doing what we were talking about earlier of like uh, trying to like explain away what, like why you are acting a certain way and you just sort of embrace like, Oh, I'm really good at what I'm doing right now. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is, you know, other people are legitimately enjoying it. There's no, um, there's no pretense around it. It's literally just, I'm like this and they want me like this. Mm -hmm. And I think you phrased it really beautifully. Thank you. Well, Adam, this has been honestly such a gift of a conversation. I really, really do cherish the time that you took to be with us today. Um, Where can the children find you? Um, as I have alluded to frequently, you can find me on Twitter um, because that's where a witch cursed me and I live. Um, my Twitter handle is at Adam J. Musa. Uh, and I'm also on Instagram at Mostly Filth. And uh, yeah, that's the, those are the, the two best ways to connect with my brain worms. Come online and come observe the two of us. Uh, exchanging idiocy (laughs) come just watch us be like you're hot no you're hot for hours and hours it's free entertainment everybody non non, like a a non-stop never-ending version of this podcast yes well thank you again and until next time y'all bye Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.